Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Four Checking TV. I'm your host, Doug Gladke, and alongside me is my co-host, Scotty Porterfield. And tonight, we are joined by tip of the iceberg zone, Nick Berlansky. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Uh, doing pretty good. Pittsburgh Penguins, are, they're playing really well, so it's really fun to cover a team that hasn't lost since my birthday back on December 4th. So it's been a nice month and a, a fun month on the podcast, for sure. Scotty, how about you, buddy? Uh, it's been good. You know, it's been good seeing uh, a winning team here consistently in Pittsburgh, obviously. And uh, this is a stretch that we haven't seen in Pittsburgh in quite some time, at least with the Penguins. So uh, good time to be a fan. And hopefully these uh, these moments continue into 2022 as well. Definitely. You know, we took a little month break for the holiday. And it seems like the moment we stopped, they started going. So hopefully we're not the jinx, but um, yeah, they've been, they've been spectacular the past month or so, um, you know, and I didn't expect them, you know, one would expect them to maybe come out a little flat out of the pause that they had for the holidays, but like, my goodness, um, you know, putting up six goals in that first period of that San Jose game was nothing to sneeze at, especially because like up until that point, James Reimer was one of the best goalies in the league. You know, like that's it's not like just some random version of James Reimer. Like it's James Reimer probably at his absolute best since he took the Maple Leafs to the um, conference final all those years ago when they blew the 3-1 lead to Boston. Um, but they're getting contributions from everywhere right now, um, you know. And if you watch the uh, Philly game from last night, that that's um, very telling because, you know, when you have Brian Boyle going bar down – just shorthanded for the hell of it. Like everything's going right, you know? So Nick, what I basically, what I want to ask you is um, what do you think has gotten, what do you think has sparked this? And more specifically, what in the hell has gotten into Evan Rodriguez lately? I mean, I don't even know if it's lately with Evan Rodriguez. I mean, the guy has been electric all year, but like you mentioned, as of late, he's just on another level. And I think his confidence as the season has gone on, as he's realized himself that this is not a fluke, this is not just a hot streak for a month, this is the way that he's going to be playing this year. I think his confidence just keeps getting better and better. We saw on Wednesday when they played the St. Louis Blues, he did a spinorama behind the net to pass the puck. There was nobody around him. There's no need to do that. And there's, there's no players that do that unless they have supreme confidence in their ability and that spinorama is something that we've seen him do several times this season and actually do pretty well like it was a weird and unnecessary move but it worked so it, it doesn't really make a difference there and then you see his shot and the confidence that he has with it there was even a smaller play that I don't know if anybody meant caught last night in the uh, the Philadelphia game where he had the puck and had an opportunity to shoot it on Carter Hart, but he makes a forehand backhand pass, gets it out to Danton Heinen, who has a 10 times better opportunity. I didn't see that play. He saw that play. That's a play that we usually see players like Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin making. Just the hockey IQ that he has, the confidence that he has, it's huge. And that is a big reason as to why the Penguins are on this big streak. But I think the bigger reason for them, it hasn't really necessarily been the fact that they've found their scoring because they've been one of the better scoring teams all year long. If you look at this 10 game win streak, they're doing it defensively. And the big part of that is Pedersen and Marino and also Matheson and Ruedel. Those pairings have been really stellar defensively. And looking at that 10 game win streak now, eight of those 10 wins 
are when the Penguins have allowed two or fewer goals in those games. So yes, they've been getting the offensive output, but defensively and goaltending wise, they've been playing just as good, except for the two games where they gave up more than two goals. Casey DeSmith was in net and you've seen how that's gone. But even in this win streak, Casey DeSmith has two wins in a shutout. So it's a, it's a balance. And I'm sure you're going to ask about the backup goalie situation, but if you have your starting goalie in right now, the Pittsburgh Penguins are a tough team to beat. And that's why they haven't lost in over a calendar month. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was talking with my dad last night and we both agreed on this point. If they're able to put up five or six in two period, the first two periods of the game, they don't have to worry about how poorly DeSmith could potentially play unless it's some sort of monumental collapse. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, like would I like them to address the backup goalie situation sooner than later. Absolutely. But am I going to like freak out and like hyper fixate on it? No. Like that's the only weak link this team has right now. And to piggyback off of what you said, Chad Ruedel is playing the best hockey of his life right now. Um, Him and Matheson both. They are absolutely spectacular. I saw something um, earlier in the week. I forget who tweeted it, but it was something about like all of Ruedel's metrics at 5v5, just taking that massive jump um, into the upper tier. And honestly, like that's, that's a big, that's a big, big storyline for them because, you know, all these years we were thinking, okay, Chad, Chad Ruedel might be able to be a sixth defenseman. But now it's like, okay, like we got to figure out, obviously they need to sign a lot of guys in the off season, but you know, Chad Ruedel is slowly kickstarting himself up that pecking order um, with his play. It's amazing what happens when somebody's actually given a spot instead of having three months in between each game he plays. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Scotty, what are you thinking right now though, man? Like I said in, the, in our uh, intro, it's been a long time since I've seen this Penguins team play as well as they have, especially with the guys that they're missing too. We have to factor in that for a good portion of this, of this win streak, Jay Gensel and Brian Rust have not been there. They're just now coming back. And what a return those guys have had. My goodness, Brian Rust can't help, can't stop himself from scoring. I think he was, I think heading into the, after that first period, he had seven goals in his last seven periods of hockey. It's pretty good in, uh, in most people's eyes. Um, Evan Rodriguez, uh, it's funny. My roommate in college just always busted on Rodriguez. He never liked him. And then he went to the St. Louis game a couple nights ago, and he's like, Igor's my favorite player now. He's amazing. So I was, I was chirping him about that. But, yeah, it's insane how well he's played. I mean, we've, we've even gone at him in the past on here because it's just like he's at we, – we used to think, okay, he's at best – a 13th floor. We were thinking that heading into this season, if we're being honest, we were thinking, okay, Erod's at best the 13th forward on a team. He's going to be in our top six this year. <laughs> and hopefully next year, if uh, Ronnie Hextall can give him the right amount of money, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But I mean, with every goal he and him and uh, Brian Russ score, they're, they're giving themselves another million onto their next contract. So that's going to be a, an interesting situation to see how that plays out. But another thing too, and Nick, you touched on it, uh, defense and goaltending is not getting the credit they deserve, and they've been absolutely outstanding. The back end is – I've never felt more comfortable with the back end than I do now. And that's insane to think about, given that Mike Matheson's on there, and I still feel confident about it. And then you see how well Jari has played. 
pretty much silenced all the doubters at this point who are wondering, okay, did the Penguins do the right thing here, keeping him and letting go of other guys? 100% they did. Tristan Jari's been absolute money for them between the pipes. And Dougie, you've said it as well with the dismissed situation. If it gets fixed, great. If not, okay. You know, it's, it's, there's uh it's not the biggest issue. I'm sure the Penguins can find a way to rebound. I don't, I hope, obviously hope it's not an issue moving forward, but uh, we'll just see how the whole situation plays out. But, and I, another thing I want to touch on too real quick is, and I said it earlier, this team isn't fully healthy yet. You still have to get back Evgeny Malkin. You're still going to get Jeff Carter back. Um, Zucker will probably be coming back at some point too. Drew O'Connor will get himself out of COVID protocol. So a lot of players will be making a return to the lineup sooner rather than later. So when that all happens, man, it's, it's scary to think how good this team could be. And the crazy thing too is that I'm pretty sure they're like seventh in the standings in terms of like, <laughs> like just where they're at in the, in the, league, in the conference right now, at least. I have to double check that. I don't know where they're at specifically. That's the last time I saw. Yeah, right now they're fourth in the Metro. I think they have the first wild card spot secured, and just it's just a testament to how great the Eastern Conference is this year. That a team's on a that the Penguins are on a ten game win streak and they're still <laughs> fighting for that first wild card spot. But listen, if they keep doing things the way they've been doing them, I have no, I don't see any reason why they can't start leapfrogging some teams here sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I'm super excited to get into some of these like measuring stick games. Um, over the course of the next like month or so here. Um, big one that I'm looking at is when they play Vegas at the end of this uh, Western road trip, they're about to embark on because that's going to be a big one. And, you know, Dallas is, a, Dallas is going to be a big one too. You know, Dallas has been pretty hot lately. Um, Jake Ottinger has been really, really good in my opinion. I really like him, and, you know, they need to um, be able to, they're beating the living hell out of the bad teams right now, but they also need to put up, put together those really strong um, games where they're, tr they're, you know, trusting the process and committing to Mike Sullivan's system in order to go into like a third period with a one or two goal lead and just shut it down. Um, similar to how they would in a playoff setting, you know? Um, and I just think that if they're able to like get, some big wins against some of those teams coming up. Like that's when we can truly start to put um, thought into, okay, like how far can this team go? You know, because I mean, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't want to jump the gun, but after the St. Louis game, I started thinking to myself like, okay, this something seems different. Like it's giving me a different kind of vibe, you know, and hopefully I'm not wrong. Um, you know, I, I also found it encouraging that Latang said um, in, 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 in a con press conference the other day that he thought they could do it last year. It's just they, you know, they didn't have the goaltending. Um, I think that going into that Islander series, we all thought, OK, if they're able to get past the Islanders, they can go. You know, they can. Why not them? And, you know, I like to think that if Jari was even half as good as he is right now last year they're probably playing Tampa um, in that league final and in, in that Stanley cup final. But beyond that, I'm just looking forward to seeing how things shake out. Um, 
I don't know if you guys saw, but it looks like whenever Malkin comes back, we're going to see Rodriguez slotting on that line with uh, Malkin and Kasperi Kapanen. I really, really like the thought, the thought process behind that. And, you know, it keeps one of my favorite lines together that's really kicked ass in a small sample size in Zucker, Carter, and Dan Heinen. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? Go ahead, Scotty. I'm all in for Erod staying on the top six. I think that would be a great combination. You have to keep him there, obviously, the way he's been playing. You, you can't not have him there. So I think it's a good idea the Penguins are keeping him or at least trying him out with Malkin and uh, Kapanen. My concern actually is what is whenever that uh, first power play unit comes around and Gino comes back, because obviously you're not going to tell Gino, hey, hey, we got th- things are pretty good right now. Why don't you get on the second power play unit? That's not going to happen. So I'm wondering who do you bump off whenever that time comes? Is it going to be Evan Rodriguez? Are you going to put him down in the second unit? Or are you going to switch out Brian Russ? Because my dad and I were talking about that yesterday. I was like, there's no way you can switch off Evan Rodriguez right now. He's ripping the puck from everywhere, and he's, he's taking shots, what you need. And then you look at Brian Rust, he's not missing right now. So it's, it's like we always say, it's a good problem to have. But uh, I think that's where, that's where my attention would really be at, is how are the, how are the special teams units going to shake up here? Just pull the goalie. <laughs> That's where I'm at. No, but um, I think that unlike last year with the uh, Jared McCann situation we were in, um, it's not like with Erod, it's not like he's just like having a abnormally high shooting percentage. Like literally everything's going right. Um, you know, like there's times where he's on the, that half wall at the power play where he's walking dudes like he's Phil Castle. Like, it reminds me of what Phil used to do. Um, Honestly, like, as much as I, as much as people are going to freak out about it, but like, I'd give Gino his own unit, man. Mm. Like, I, because it gives you lethal implications, no matter which five you put out on the ice. You know, I think what I would do is, um, for right now, I would do Heinen. Malkin, Kapanen, or Heinen, Carter, Kapanen with Malkin and Marino up top. I mean, that is, that is some team's number one power play right there that that you just described. But I think personally, when I see Malkin coming back, obviously we need to see how he plays because there's a lot of things that factor into this. And especially it's just his comfortability with Evan Rodriguez. I mean, this is, this is a completely new player that he's playing with. Like the Evan Rodriguez that he knows is still the bum that barely could have made this roster. So it's an interesting factor. And when you mentioned it, and I'm glad you did because I was thinking the same exact thing, Dougie, the Penguins have been looking for somebody to fill that half wall slot since Phil Kessel left. And since Phil Kessel left, the Penguins power play has not been good enough because they don't have that type of talent on the half wall. They don't have a guy that can just shoot the puck and score from that area. Brian Russ is great, but Brian Russ couldn't do it from that zone. Jared McCann is great, but Jared McCann was getting lucky from that zone. I mean, his his shooting percentage was ridiculously high. So when Malkin comes back, I think he bumped down Brian Rust. I mean, it's not a bad thing having one of your top six guys not have to go out there and gas himself on every power play, because then whenever your power play ends, you can throw out Carter, Rust, and Kapanen. And there's your, there's your first line after a power play and you can keep the pressure on. So I like Malkin taking the spot of, of Brian Rust mainly because then you could have, 
Latang up at the point, Crosby down low where he's accustomed to, Jake Gensel and apparently his new office in front of the net. And then you have a lethal one-timer on either side of Latang. You can either have Malkin on one side or you go to Rodriguez on another side. And either way, you're having a high mile, high velocity laser of a fantastic accurate shot on either side of your power play. I think that would be what would help the most. But as of right now, I mean, the last two games have shown Pittsburgh Penguins, it just kind of feed it through Evan Rodriguez, and apparently your power play is going to be successful. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And like like we've all said, it's a great problem to have. Um, I also, like, if they move Russ down, just put him at the half wall in the second unit. Just let him do that. Or, you know, because I don't necessarily – I don't necessarily like Kapanen up there. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he can get a little lackadaisical with it at times. Um, but yeah, I would, I would put Russ there, you know, and then things get more interesting with that second unit once Zucker comes back, because, you know, he's too much of an offensive talent to like take off. Is he though? You'd like, you at least want to think think that. You You want to think think that. Yeah. You know, I, I have high hopes for him though. I really think that, um, putting him back down with Carter and Heinen is going to be what gets him going, you know? Mm And, but yeah, I just, my thing is, is like, they have to keep Rodriguez up top. Yeah. They have to, Yeah, you know, I, it sucks that Malkin's going to have to play bumper, but like, good God. I mean, or, if you're, you're Evgeny Malkin, you, you don't know how, I mean, his elbow is always going to be an issue now. Like we don't know what he's going to look like, but the last time we saw him, he was gimped on one knee and he still led the team with six points in four games in the postseason. So you don't know what you're going to see. You expect it to be good, but you do know what you have right now in Evan Rodriguez. And that is honestly one of the best players in the national hockey league. And I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you see some stuff from Jay fresh where he's out producing Connor McDavid at five V five. <laughs> and it's just like, like I'm like I was at work one day on break, and I saw that, and I just, I just smiled and shook my head. I was just like, I can't, like, and you know, I know it's so minor, but last night, whenever the NHL put out that ten straight wins graphic, and Rodriguez was on it with Gensel and Sid, I was just like, what a weird life we're living right now. Mm-hmm. Like, what a life, you know. And I'll be honest with you. I know everybody's saying that um, that Rodriguez goal the other night reminded them of Ovi. But you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of some of the stuff Justin Schultz used to do in key moments mm-hmm. on a power play uh, when they were winning it in 17. You know, like that was, you know, it, it gave me the vibes of whenever Schultz scored to tie it with like a couple seconds left in the third that night that Niskanen took it out. Um, mm-hmm. like it reminded me of that. And let me tell you, that was, that was just such a fun game to watch. Like, I can't explain that enough, but, um, you know, and another thing that I kind of want to touch on just a little bit is why do we all get the vibe that some people in the city are afraid for Malkin to come back? Because there's one one person that continues to talk about it. Yes. It's a top five player of this generation, but trade his ass. I just I just don't understand it. He, you know, and this this individual was putting out a hit piece already 
before he was even healthy. And I'm just like, like I saw that and I was, I was seething. Mm. Like I was like seething with rage for that, like 20 minute time period. But then I was just like, you know what? It's whatever. I mean, I think, you know, at least past occurrences show that Malkin's going to come back from the knee surgery so much better than before. You know, the elbow might be a problem, but the fact that he's going to be able to skate again and be able to move around and use his speed and strength to his advantage might just be enough to keep him in elite form. You know, I'm like, I'm really, you know, and obviously we're all expecting it. They're going to keep winning, keep winning, keep winning. He's going to come back in that first game. He comes back. They're going to lose just because that's, that's just how it always goes. You know, it's how it's gone. Every single, I feel like I swear like every single time that Gino has been hurt or every single time they get a big player back. That's just, that's just how it goes. But I really think he's going to light the world on fire because adding Rodriguez to that line gives them, gives him and Cappy both more defensive stability than Mm -hmm they would have, you know, maybe with a Jason Zucker on that line, you know, um, same would go if they wanted to put Dan Hyde in there, but, you know, I really think that that line's going to tear it up. I'm really looking forward to it. So there's that. I mean, here's the thing for those worried about chemistry and there's, there's one person and his cult of following that believe that honestly, uh, for those worried about chemistry, when he comes back, if, if that is the lineup that we get, the one that Doug is teasing now, you have Crosby, Gensel, and Rust. There's nothing wrong with the chemistry of that line by Malkin joining the team. Then you have Malkin in there with Sperry Kapanen, somebody that we've seen him have great chemistry with. And realistically, throughout this entire thing, my one negative has been Kasperi Kapanen. I think he has been invisible yes. once again. What does he need? He needs Evgeny Malkin. That is the best we've seen Kapanen is last year that small little five or six game sample size when him and Malkin were both completely healthy and clicking on all cylinders. And then you look at Evan Rodriguez. I'm not worried about Evan Rodriguez meshing with somebody because he's played everywhere. He started as a fourth liner this year. He's played with Sidney Crosby. He was the first goddamn line center for a time being, and he was still producing in all of these roles. So to me, putting him with Malkin, there's not going to be an issue there because he has been melding to the line mates that he has had all season long. He's been on Carter's wing. He's been on Crosby's wing. He's been on Teddy Bluger's wing at points here. And then he's had his own line at points. So that's not going to be an issue. We've seen Zucker and Carter start to play better. And Danton Heinen has played really well with Jeff Carter as well. And then need I talk about the fourth line really? So if you're worried about the chemistry, you're basically saying, and this is why you know it's just a joke piece to try to get clickbait. It's because you're saying, well, Evgeny Malkin is the type of guy that ruins a team chem- team's chemistry. Does it look like that in any pictures we've seen Evgeny Malkin in since he rejoined the team at practice? People love this guy. He's a teddy bear. I mean, look at his wife, for God's sakes. Who can hate this man? Like, he is, he is not a guy that is disliked by basically anybody. And you're basically saying, not because of the way he plays hockey, but because of him as the human. If you look at the lineup, you're basically saying because of him as a human, they're going to lose chemistry, which is just a complete farce. And I, I, you got me fired up this early in the morning, and I, I told myself I wasn't going to be. But 
you know, that's just asinine to my opinion. So yeah, Evgeny Malkin ruining team chemistry, that's just a, a, a fake storyline from, from a fake reporter in Pittsburgh who's trying to hold on to the glory days. And by the way, before we lay this thing fully to rest, I got to get it out of my system. Saying that he doesn't, that Malkin's going to play away from the system and lose control of the system. I don't know how people don't understand that the entire system Mike Sullivan runs is the top six does whatever the hell they want. And the bottom six is the defensive structure, elite defensive game. I mean, all you have to do is look at the Blue line and see that. Or, you know, look at Pedersen and Marino being together no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, it's – there is no – it's no coincidence that the um, Penguins and Mike Sullivan deploy Pedersen and Marino the same time they deploy the Teddy Bluger line. Mm-hmm. You know, that's – that's what they're going to do to put to go out and shut you down. You know, they will shut you down with that line. Um, the days of needing to double shift Sid with an, with a random bottom six center are dead um, in terms of shutting out a game. And, you know, if, if it's like three or four minutes left, Sullivan will do that. He'll just throw Sid out there with Brian Rust and Jeff Carter or Brian Rust and Brian Boyle, if he's in the, in the lineup and they will, just muck it around in the defensive zone and shut the freaking game down. How they don't, how people don't grasp this concept yet after five to six years of Mike Sullivan coaching this team is beyond me. And also just want to get it through, get one more point through the people that always tweet about Malkin. I'm sorry, but there's always Steelers in your name. (laughs) Done. I mean, it's no surprise that, I mean, look at last night. It's just a kind of a microcosm of what Mike Sullivan's system is. The Penguins won six to two last night for the majority of the game. They controlled it. Yet you look at Crosby's lines analytically and Crosby's line was the worst line on, on the ice analytically, like defensively, they were the worst line. And there's a reason for that. It's because you have three players like that. You're not going to say, well, make sure you're defensively responsible. Okay. No, go out there and score goals. Like we have three other lines to do that for you. Like, and we have a goaltender that's going to be good enough. And also, you know, Brian Dumoulin has done a much better job as the year's gone on. It's like, we have people to be fail safes for you there. That line is not good. If if they're worried about defense, like clearly they're going to worry about it a little bit, but no, the top six that's out there to go and score goals. The bottom six. Yeah. They're going to score too, but they're predominantly out there to shut teams down and be like, okay, we're, we're letting our top six get rested so they can go out and score goals. But the, the good thing is the Penguins bottom six, you know, as we've seen the last two games is also pretty lethal. Yeah. And, you know, but that third line, I know that it's a going to be an uberly talented third line, but Danton Heinen was basically signed as a defensive specialist who t- turned into having his, um, plus finishing ability come back. Um, from his days in Boston, um, Jeff Carter, they, Mike Sullivan trusts him to kill penalties. And the big storyline, whenever we got Jason Zucker was, yeah, you're going to love his offense, but if it somehow magically ap- disappears, he has the defensive zone impacts to warrant still being a, a player on the roster and warrant getting a sweater every night. 
So I'm not worried about it. Honestly, this is the best assembled roster I've seen since 2016. I will go that far. Um, all the way down to the depth guys, you know, having Drew O'Connor as your 13 going into the playoffs is going to be unbelievable. You know, I mean, honestly, they're like, they're 15, 16, 17 deep at forward right now. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'd be okay with Bjork Fisk getting a game. You trust Brian Boyle. Um, and the more redeem Zahorna plays, even though it's very sparringly, you begin to think, okay, this guy might have a shot of being a quality NHL bottom sixer at some point in his career, you know? And I mean, I'm sure that there's guys down in Wilkes-Barre that we haven't even talked about yet that could come up and play. And that doesn't even um, cover one of the main storylines that came down this week, Alex, Alex Nylander being traded to the Penguins for Sam Lafferty. I know Nylander's been kind of um, having some issues these past couple of years with injuries and inconsistencies, but when you see that, that's just like, it's like daily for Scuderi forward edition. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Scotty. That's an accurate comparison. I think that, uh, I mean, Doug, you obviously I know how much of a, a fan you are of Sam Lafferty, obviously, but um, no, I think, yeah, I think it's just uh, a fresh start on both ends. You know, when you look at Nylander, he's obviously had his, his injuries and whatnot, and hopefully he's only 23 years old. I'm pretty sure he's in his contract year, but Dougie told me he's an RFA, so obviously Penguins will have his negotiating rights and whatnot. But maybe that's all he needs is a little bit of seasoning, you know, spend some time down at Wilkes-Barre, you know, tighten up any loose ends that you might need. I don't see any reason why he couldn't help the team, not immediately, obviously, but maybe sometime in the near, in the near future, he could potentially uh, do some damage. And that's for Sam Lafferty. I think – Hextall kind of saw the writing on the wall in that sense. He's like, hey, we have already have some younger guys that are coming in and are already playing better than you. Um, maybe it's time to just move on. And I'll send you to a team that you actually have a shot at playing on. And that would be Chicago right now because they're a dumpster fire. But, yeah, I think, it, I think it's going to end up working out on both ends. And hopefully uh, there's a lot of benefits that come from it. Sam Lafferty's not a bad NHL player. He's, he's not. He's an NHL replacement level player. He's a guy that has a little bit of skill, but mainly is his speed. It's the fact that he's willing to hit. He just needs to know when to hit. And that's the big thing that I talked to Danny Shirey Irving a couple of days ago. And he was saying, listen, Sam Lafferty was tasked to be a fourth line grinder. He just doesn't know the timing of when to be the fourth line grinder, when to go out of position for a hit and stuff like that. So I thought that was a fantastic point. And listen, he's a decent NHL player. But the Penguins, where he was for the Pittsburgh Penguins, is the equivalent of a bag of pucks. So getting anything in return for a guy like Sam Lafferty, who was he was your 17th or 18th forward, and that's if you're trying to hold down a guy. And you're talking about, you know, Wilkesburg guys. I'm very excited about Valtteri Pustinen. So he's a guy that would have jumped them next year. So to get Alex Nylander for Sam Lafferty, I mean, that's a good trade. Former top 10 pick. He's a guy that, yeah, he's coming off a torn meniscus last year. He was forced into a top six role the year before that and was never really comfortable because he was traded for somebody that was actually really good in Henry Yoki Haru from the Buffalo Sabres. And now, you know, Alex Nylander is going to be Michael Scott's favorite player for the next year because he's, he's not going to come up to Pittsburgh. He's going to stay in Wilkes-Barre Scranton, but it's going to be a good chance for him to go down there, 
learn the system, and then I'm sure he's going to sign a new contract heading into next season. And maybe he's a he's a Freddie Gaudreau type guy next year. Yeah, and you know I think that that has to be the advanced plan, um, at least for the big picture with him, because you know I think having him just play in Wilkes Bear will help him out immensely. Um, they have a lot of good forwards down there, like you said, with Pustin and obviously Poulin and Legare are both down there. And, you know, when the time comes, have him come up as a black ace. Have him ride around and see what what goes on. See what, what the culture's like of being around a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. You know, because this is one of the better trades that you could make um, taking a flyer on a guy as a team that has a lot of expiring contracts at four, mm-hmm. you know, because we don't know if Russ is going to be back. Um, we don't know if Rodriguez or Heinen will be back. And if Alex Nylander can come up next year and somehow weaken the blow of losing, of potentially losing one of those guys, that's, that's, that's a big win. You know, that's a really good value for trading for a guy or, really good value for a guy that you traded somebody who really had no future on your NHL roster for, Um, you know, and when Ron Hextall got hired, we, we all heard about his asset management, but that, that was masterful asset management by Ron Hextall getting that trade done. In my opinion, the Penguins did also lose somebody else this week. I don't know if you guys know this, but they lost Trevor Daly from the front office. I'm glad you mentioned him. He's now playing for the Florida Everblades, signing a contract. So I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know why, but uh, I guess he wants to play some more hockey down there in the bay, not the Bayou, but uh, down there in the in Florida in the swamp. That was the most random acquisition <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. I just remember I was scrolling on Instagram. I was on Puck Empire, and I saw that pop up. I'm like, Wait, doesn't he as have- a player? <laughs> yeah, like, isn't he in our front office right now? <laughs> how's, he, how's he going back into hockey? But, I mean, you always hear guys talk about it, you know, especially players when they recently retire, like how much they, you know, tend to miss the game and whatnot. I was watching footage of uh, of Bill Guerin out at the Winter Classic, and he was still ripping the puck pretty well for a guy who's been retired for 10 years now. So, I mean, it's like it's like the old joke they always make. If, if I didn't have to skate, I could still play. You know, it's uh, it's the thing they always say. But yeah, good for Trevor Daly. You know, still trying to, you know, keep playing. I guess that's a, that's the thing that we always talk about. And you know, people and have told me that before too. I'm a, obviously I play baseball and what in school and things that I always hear from guys is you know play as long as you can because you know you you're gonna miss it one day when you can't do it anymore. So. The fact that Trevor Daly kind of opened that door up, up for himself again is pretty awesome to see. So I'm happy for him. I hope he has fun while he's down there. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I saw that pop up in that, um, you know, there's that Penguins Facebook group where everybody just throws out random hot takes. Um, I saw it in that Penguins Facebook group and I thought it was fake. I thought somebody was just like, doing something super random and like out of the realm of ordinary, but um, good for him, you know, good for him to like keep at it because when, he, whenever he retired, it seemed like he could have played another year or two um, at the NHL level at least, but um, moving forward, I know we wanted to talk about the Oilers and how much of a shit show dumpster fire that team is right now. Um Dave Tippett 
just calling out the goalies. And I, I loved the fact that the, uh, who was it? It was either Mike Smith or Miko Koskin and just fired back and was like, I don't understand why he's throwing me under the bus. The entire team's playing awful. Like, obviously that's not a good thing you want to hear, but like, oh yeah, I, I applaud it because, you know, your best defenseman is probably Duncan Keith and he's atrocious mm. at this stage of his career. So like, you know, it is what it is. I, I think it's crazy. Um, it's a shame for Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl because they're both probably two, one, a one B best player in the world right now in terms of production and dominance. And it's just not, nothing's working there. Um, they need so many things. They need, they need a bottom six. They need a new defense. They need goalies. It's just, it's a train wreck. Can we just talk about the fact that the Oilers literally have arguably the two best players in the world on their team and they're barely in the playoffs right now. That's it's insane to think about. Like, can you imagine how, how distraught things would have would be here and would have been here in Pittsburgh if the Penguins were ever in danger of missing the postseason, like in year seven. That's where I think that's where both McDavid and Drysaddle are at right now. They're both in year seven. So if it was like 2013 or 2014 and the Penguins were like dangerously close to missing the playoffs, it'd be a shit show here. It really would. It would be insane. So can you and it's gonna be 10 times worse because it's in Canada. You know, because every, everything's under a microscope there. It'd be awful. And I don't know, man. That's that's a team that's got a lot of I's to dot and T's to cross and whatnot because, I mean, this just – and you, the one thing, too, like I'm watching some of these games. Like, McDavid looks like he hates his life every single time he's, he's out there. Like, the, the camera – cut, the camera's always on him. When it cuts to him, he just has this, this pissed look on his face. Like, he doesn't even want to be there anymore. And who could blame him? It's your seventh year in the league and you've only made it past the second round. And you've only been in the playoffs, what, half the time since you've been in, since you've been in the league too? It's, it's insane to think. It really is. And so obviously the question everyone's going to ask is, you know, what, what do they do? They're going to fire Dave Tippett. Should they fire Dave Tippett? How many times can you hire and fire a coach if you're Edmonton? If, I, I was doing some digging last night because I knew we were going to talk about this today. The Oilers have had – Seven coaches in the last 10 years. Seven coaches in the last 10 years. That's like Cleveland Brown levels of incompetence, if we're being honest. So to have that go on, I mean, you can't keep firing the coach and thinking, oh, that's going to solve everything, because clearly it hasn't. You're on coach number seven and your team's still losing. So obviously that's not the solution. I think the main issue that they need to address is the goaltending. Look at both of their netminders right now. Both of those guys have are pretty close to sub 900. I think Mike Smith is a sub 900 save percentage, and Miko Koskinen is literally 900. And both of their goals against are getting close to the four range. That's not good for any goaltender, never mind one at the NHL level. So I think that's the first thing you need to address is that situation. And, you know, I'm going to throw his name out there because we've been throwing it out there for probably the last year, year and a half now. What's Mark Andre Fleury going to look like in an Edmonton Oilers uniform? Let's yeah. be honest. The oil, I mean, the Blackhawks are what twelve points back of a 
of a playoff spot right now. I think they're 12 back from the from the second wild card. So mm-hmm. don't see that getting together anytime soon. So, and what are you going to give up for him? Because I think if I'm, uh, what's his name? Ken Holland, I'm giving you a second, maybe a third. And just leaving it at that because they basically got him for nothing anyway. So anything you, anything you acquire for him is just house is, is profit. So, I mean, that's just, that's my take on it. I just don't think that, you know, everyone's saying all oh, it's time, fire the coach, fire the coach. That's, that's not the issue here. Cause guess what happens if they do fire the coach guess who's probably going to get rehired because they, because he has relationships with this guy from his Detroit days. Oh, Let's just be honest. The, the, the problems with this team, and Dougie said it, he, he just kind of encapsulated. He said, okay, goaltending, defense, bottom six. When did we say that again? Oh, four months ago. This has been the problem for a long time. The problem is Ken Holland is an idiot. Like, he, he looked at this team and he said, hmm, what do I need to do to fix this team? I'm going to trade Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle. That doesn't do anything. I'm going to bring in Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman has had no goals since they played the Penguins on December 2nd. Like this is not this is not a fun time to be an Edmonton Oiler. The problem is Ken Holland is not he's never been suited to be the general manager up there in Edmonton. They need to do a full rebuild. They don't want to do it because they have McDavid. They shouldn't do it because they have McDavid, but they don't have the players and they just they don't have anything there. I mean, you mentioned it, Scott, you know, bring in Marc-Andre Fleury. Okay. They're going to need to do more than that to be a playoff team or even a team that I would I would suggest wins two games in the postseason. You'd have to bring in Chikrin and Flurry for me to believe that that team is going to have any danger of winning a playoff game. Like, don't, let's not even talk about a playoff series. To win a playoff game, they need to bring in Chikrin, they need to bring in Flurry, and that's going to cost a buttload of money. At this point, if I'm Connor McDavid, I'm saying, like, I will play I will play for Yarmir Yager's Czech team before I continue to play for this Edmonton Oilers team because this team has been run into the ground since Wayne Gretzky left. That that's that that's how this has gone. I mean, they went to the the Stanley Cup Finals in in the early 2000s, but this team has really just been run into the ground for the majority of the time since '99 left, and that is pathetic. Let's just hold off on the trade request talk for about two to three years. <laughs> we need we need it to line up perfectly. Uh, okay, but um, <laughs> yeah, and you know, they 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 have decent depth pieces on paper. It's just none of them do anything. You know, we've seen it. We've seen Kaylor Yamamoto's name in the news a lot over the past six to eight weeks. And, you know, that's a guy that you probably need to try to get into a player, like a hockey trade, a player for player swap, and hope to God that you just absolutely cook the other team you're trading with. You know, I mean, if I could see him for like maybe a Dylan Strom or, you know, Maybe you buy low on Jake DeBrusque. But the issue that the Oilers constantly run into is anytime a guy does well in their bottom six, they go right up and play with McDavid because they have no depth. You know, the Hyman signing was a good idea in theory because it gave some, it gave McDavid someone to actually play with. You know, you signed a guy that's capable of actually playing with elite talent. You know, so like if you could do, I don't know, like Hyman, McDavid, and Puglia Yarvi, that's a decent line. I mean, they 
the only chance they have at succeeding is splitting up McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's the only way they have a chance at succeeding. Um, you know, like I could see – actually, no, do DeBrusque. Like, if they traded for Jake DeBrusque, I'd be okay with doing DeBrusque, McDavid, Pugliarvi, and then let the third line – the second line be Nugent Hopkins, um, Dreisaitl, and Hyman. And then you got to figure out how to fix the bottom six. Um, one thing I do want to say, Derek Ryan has actually – been pretty damn good for them as their third line center so he's not the issue you just got to get those complimentary wingers I think Warren Fogel can still do it but like at the same time it's difficult to um you know it's difficult to put stock in a guy potentially improving when a team is this bad um and I never thought in a million years would see the day where the Edmonton Oilers actually miss Adam Larson yeah because he he's a guy they could use right now. Like he's just a calming, stable defensive presence. Um, you know, you could have put him with Clefbaum and that would have been a decent um, first or second pairing for you. But, you know, instead we're going to just parade Duncan Keith around because um, boys club. And that's the other thing, like, we can blame the coaching and the um, GM as much as we want, but like, this is a problem that's been um, spurring from their upper, uh, their upper management, and their ownership group for years. You know, like if it's, if a, if you, sh- if you screw up hires this consistently over the past 15 to 20 years, and you know, that doesn't even, that doesn't even like account for the fact that they willingly traded the greatest player ever. Um, there's just so much wrong with this organization. Um, you know, and it's a shame because they had, they had the team in place and I've talked about this before on the podcast. They had the team in place to win with McDavid, but Shirelli literally blew it to bits and invested way too much money in Milan Lucic. You know, now, obviously, you wouldn't have been able to pay all of them long term, but you would have been able to cash out on them in trades and just keep refilling the cover and keep rewheeling the pendulum. You know, because you got to think Hall, Eberly would have been great top six commodities. Dreisaitl had the coming out party, Connors is like second year. Nugent Hopkins has always been consistent. And I will die on this hill, even though he's a bust of a first overall pick. Nail Yakupov would still be a kick-ass bottom six depth player on any team. So there's that. Like he could be like that Valerie Valerie Nichushkin type player, where he scores here and there, but he's still just a solid bottom six depth guy. He's yeah. too good at the KHL now. Yeah, now he's just in the <laughs> KHL. It's going to be crazy to think that the Edmonton Oilers are going to trade the best player in the world twice. How crazy. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to yeah. trade the best player in the world twice in their in their franchise's history. It's insane to think. It's, it's crazy to think that they had, what, five first overall picks, and one of them panned out, and you couldn't help him. Like, you, you failed on four of five, and then the fifth one, you couldn't get him any help. Like, that that's when you know, like, as an organization, it's like, you know, 
uh, hockey troll who, who covers the Capitals always says, oh, fold the team. That's when you know, you, you know, if there wasn't as much history there, that's it's, you look at that and you're like, I don't know how they're ever going to be good again. Because like, if you can't do that, like if, if at this point you're not good after having five first overall picks last decade and you're still this bad, then, you know, this was supposed to be the year. And it, it started out really well. And now, obviously, we couldn't take advantage of it. Vegas is back on their horse. Anaheim's good again. Even the California teams other than Anaheim are playing much better hockey. And, you know, Vancouver is scary right now. Like Vancouver is threateningly scary. And you look at Edmonton, you're like, you know, you're a puppy dog. You're a puppy dog that has a pit bull behind you that you're just not letting do anything. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's rough. Going, exactly. going, building off of that, uh, after that first overall thing, you were right about that. But like, even in the years where they didn't draft first overall, how many years did they draft in the top five, like yeah. consistently? Even going back, like beyond the 2010s, like Jordan, I forget, was Jordan Ellie was Jordan Ellie was the first overall. What was he? I'm trying to think. He was like 20th overall or something. Okay. I'm, all right. They got but, him in like a trade. But anyway, like that, um, yeah. My point is, the Oilers have been have had plenty of years where they were drafting in the top 10 consistently and never did much with it. So to see how things just haven't panned out for them, just focusing on the team now, they're just one-dimensional. That's all it is. They're a one-dimensional team, and they really don't have anything going for them aside from McDavid and Dreisaitl. And when your team only has two players to turn to, it's not going to be a recipe for success. And and it is going to be – there is going to be hell to pay, and I guarantee you if Edmonton does not make the playoffs this year, they clean house. It's happening. They will clean house 100%. That yeah. might be what they need, though. Yeah, honestly. You know, and you think about, like, guys, like, that they missed on these, like, top 10 picks. 2007, Sam Gagne. Like, had a good NHL career, but, like, not, game. not a game-breaker. 2009, 10th overall, Magnus Pajarvi. Yeah, like it's just, it's nuts. Fourth line left wing. Yeah. On every other team. Uh, yeah. Darnell Nurse worked out, but like, you know, I don't know. And then it's just like, it just continues, you know. Puglia Yarvi's been awesome for them, but like top five pick in the draft. Yeah. How, like, top five pick in the draft, and he basically, I don't even know who he plays like. He's just, like, a depth player who just is getting a great bump in production because he plays with the best player in the world. I mean, all these issues stem back to the same thing. They didn't do enough in the offseason, and now if, if you're, you're going to try to fix it, it's going to cost you because look at the – like the big thing is their defense, and the, we always knew that they had offensive firepower with McDavid and Dreisaitl, but just look at their defense alone. Let's ignore the fact that they just ignored their goaltending situation, which is, is putrid. But the defense alone, you lost Ethan Bear and Adam Larson. Those are two pretty good defensemen. Who did you replace them with? Duncan Keith, and that's it. And you're like, ah, oh, Evan Bouchard will be up. It's like, oh, you're going to put that much pressure on your young defenseman? This is why you suck. Like, because you put people in positions to fail. And that's what Evan Bouchard is in right now. And he's had a pretty decent season for a first year, but there's way too much pressure to put on a guy like that. Like, we see the Penguins, they're handling P.O. Joseph with kid gloves. 
the part of that's because they can, Mm -hmm. but I mean, the Oilers were basically like, well, there you go. Here's 20 minutes a game. Uh, We need you to be a top 10 defenseman in the NHL because we have poor defense. And if you're not, you're in a Canadian market. So you're going to get absolutely fried. Good luck. Yeah. Shoo shoo. It's not a good thing. It's it's bad. Like you you didn't address your issues and you're putting your players in positions to fail instead of succeed. And now you're seeing the ramifications of that two, nine and two in their last 13, uh, 13 games. Is that it? Yeah, I'm bad at yeah. math. So, yeah. The truth is with the whole Bouchard bear situation, they should have kept bear. And as Bouchard came into his own, they they move him for a player they need. I mean, literally just do the Ryan Whitney crystal tank thing. That that made so much sense. It, it's but like just didn't work out. Now to close out real quick. How do you solve the backup goaltending situation in Pittsburgh? Oh uh, wow. Um, I mean, Casey DeSmith, what we saw on Sunday is I don't know if Mike Sullivan is confident in Louis Domingue because if you keep Casey DeSmith in there when the score goes from six to one to six to five, that tells me you don't like the guy sitting down the bench there. You're like, I don't know if I want to put him in. And that's kind of telling. It might be me just reading into things because Louis Domingue, I mean, has had a pretty average to slightly below average NHL career as a backup. He had that one good year in Tampa Bay where he just won a bunch of games, but that's mainly because he played for the Tampa Bay Lightning in that historic season. They were beating everybody. So it's worth a shot. I think you have to do it because you don't want to run into a position like you had last year where you said, oh, okay, well, Tristan Jari is not performing the postseason. We have Max Lagasse sitting there, but we don't know if we like him, so we can't do anything with it. So you need to at least try out Louis Domingue. And if you need to add somebody else later in the season, I don't know how you do that. It's just kind of a hard position that you put yourself in. You have to hope that one of Domingue or DeSmith do something here that takes the the reins for sure. Yeah. And it's not even just like the difficulty of adding a goaltender. It's just, it's territory that we're not familiar with as Penguins fans. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because I think about it, the only goaltender they've ever had to trade to for in mid season in our lives of watching hockey through the Crosby Malkin era, Matthew Garon, and um, when they had to trade for Mike Condon when Murray got hurt in the World Cup of Hockey. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Two, two mid-season goaltending trades in 15-plus years. And neither of those guys were, like, exceptional either. Yeah. I mean, Garon was okay, but it is what it is. Um, you know, but, like, I'm looking at, like, lower-tier options. Now, obviously, like, the little yins are inside of me wants them to be like, okay, let's go get Georgiev <laughs> or something like that. But, you know, I could see Jonas Corpusalo being a potential buy low option. I would think that the, the one name that jumps out to me, and it's because I don't, I don't know if anybody in the Metro is going to help willingly help the Pittsburgh Penguins or they're going to sure. make them pay a little bit too much for a backup goaltender. Maybe go get Scott Wedgwood out of Arizona. But th- again, that's that's a barely adding from what you already have. Like, it, is Scott Wedgwood now a better option than Casey DeSmith? Yeah, because Casey DeSmith looks like, you know, two-ply toilet paper sitting in there doing absolutely nothing. But can Casey DeSmith turn it around? We've seen it before. 
and it could happen. So I don't know how they fix it. Uh, they do need to fix it. I know we're all saying, you know, it's backup goaltender at the, for the most part, you're fine. But you know, we saw last year, what happens when you don't have a good backup goaltender that come in and at least stop the bleeding for one game, it's uh, it's going to hang your, your starter out the dry. So I, I think it's something they need to address. I have no idea how to fix it. Like this is one of the things that I look at and I'm like, even like my, my hottest of takes, I don't have an, a clue at how you're supposed to fix this right now. I mean, I just want to say it. I'm not advocating for it, but they have, they'll have the deadline cap space to do flurry. Mm. No, <laughs> no. I, yeah, no, I'm just saying they would have the deadline cap space to do it, but um, yeah, you know, and, and my biggest worry right now is like the reason I want it to be addressed sooner rather than later is I don't want Jari to get burnt out. You know, I want us to go into the month of April with him fresh and motivated and have his swagger going ready to go, you know, because the last thing I want is, you know, for lack of better terms, the last thing I want is for uh, poopy pants, Tristan Jari to come back into the fold because that was, that was bad. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to go back to, that one night where I literally screamed into a microphone at the top of my lungs because he passed the puck to Josh Bailey. I don't want that back in my life, you know, but I also think that this team's too good and it's going to be different, but um, anything else that you guys want to add last second though? Uh, Quick shout out to Matthew Boldy scored in his NHL debut big, big time for the Minnesota wild. So. Yeah, that's, that was fun. That was fun to see. Um, you know, him and Rosie being up there, that's, that's good stuff. Um, you know, I'm kind of like a wild fan from afar. I love watching them play. So that's exciting. Scotty, do you have anything else to add? Not exactly uh, hockey related, but just to keep pushing the Yinzer narrative that this uh, Steeler team has the potential to win a Super Bowl. Go Jaguars on Sunday or whenever they play. Yeah, go Jags. Also, shout out to Big Ben. Yeah. Um, sports don't make me cry much, but that uh, watching him come out of the tunnel on uh, Monday put me put me down bad. So, all right, guys. Well, this has been another episode of Four Checking TV. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Four Checking TV. Follow Nick on Twitter at Nick underscore Berlansky, and be sure to follow um, the Tip of the Iceberg podcast wherever you can get your podcast from. And Nick, plug your Twitter real quick because it's I'm drawing a blank. Uh, yeah, at the tip of the iceberg podcast, we are at iceberg podcast currently doing a giveaway for a penguins third Jersey. So if uh, that's something on your Christmas wish list that you didn't quite get, get an opportunity there by uh, going to our pin tweet at iceberg podcast. Absolutely. And Nick also does hockey hotbed for uh, the hockey podcast network. Plug that Twitter real quick. Yeah, that is just at hockey hotbed pod. We have a new episode coming out every Tuesday and Friday. We have interviews coming out basically all of 2022 because i didn't do nearly enough in 2021 so yeah awesome thanks nick for coming on i greatly appreciate it thank you all righty guys have a good night see you